are now sitting in section 312. Today's episode is brought to you by Fast Money Lifestyle Clothing. Fast Money Lifestyle Clothing is a Chicago brand from the South Side of Chicago that started in 2012 on the South Side of Chicago. Shout out to Fast Money OJ. You can type his name in YouTube and SoundCloud and go watch some of his videos and be looking for new upcoming music and visuals coming soon. Shout out at Fast Money underscore Sean on Instagram in charge of the brand. Go follow the clothing page and updates and new drops. And if you want to go get some of the cool t-shirts that we've gotten, uh, go check out at FastMoneyLifestyleClothing.com. They are dropping new merchandise all the time. They have tours. They have shirts, hats, stickers, anything you want. The logo is pretty cool. Go check them out. Today's episode is also brought to you by The Closet. The Closet is a new designer clothing brand that started in Carbondale, Illinois. It is located at 606 South Illinois Avenue in Carbondale. It is open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. They have the best design of merchandise around. You can find anything from Michael Kors to Tommy Hilfiger to backpacks to blankets, video games. Stupid cheap. Go check them out. 606 South Illinois Avenue, The Closet. Uh, Before we get started on this episode, make sure you guys go and follow the Facebook page, the Twitter, the Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Tune in. Uh, Soon to be iHeartRadio whenever they get back to us. Uh, this episode, we talk a little baseball, we talk a little NBA talk, a little Blackhawks, a little Bears, NFL Combine. We have a great interview with former 2001 champion Miami Hurricane Brad Coons, and we have the starting five animals that we could live without. All right, let's go. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, dude. I'm I'm burning a little bit both ends, so I'm pretty exhausted. But I'm out here, you know, putting on for the pod. So how about you? Man, it's been a long week. There's been a, a lot of things that have happened that we need to get to. First off, let's start with Bryce Harper finally has a fucking team. He finally does. Signs with Philly, 13 years, 300 mil, no opt-outs. What, what, what do you think about that? What's your initial gut? I personally believe that the Philadelphia Phillies got robbed for Bryce Harper. I don't think they should have spent that money on him. I don't think he's worth 13 years. I The, the no opt-out is a, a little alarming to me. I personally believe so far that this entire MLB offseason, Nolan Arenado got the best contract out of anybody, and he wasn't even a free agent. Um the, the 13 years is pretty alarming because you don't know if he gets hurt, if it, it turns out the way you want. This is what you're going to get out of Bryce Harper. You're going to get a guy batting about 272, maybe about 29 home runs, and roughly around 90 to 95 RBIs. Is he worth the $25 million a year that you're paying him? I don't care what you tell me. I don't think anybody's worth $25 million a year, let alone 30 like Manny Machado's getting. But... You know, I've been saying pitching wins ball games, and you know Philly has made a lot of offseason acquisition moves, like Andrew McCutcheon and Daniel Robertson and stuff like and Gene Segura. So they got a nice little core there, and I do think Harper could, you know, fill out that mix. But I still don't see them winning a championship with that core. No, nah, man, I, I'm uh, I'm in the same boat here with you. I mean, first off, um, should correct it, 330 mil total not 300 mil i can feel the scott boris sniper rifle aimed at my head 
for not for trying to say that he got the same amount as Machado. He got more. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I mean, I think Philly, it's pretty clear, is in win now mode. Um, there's probably no doubt about it at this point that they're trying to unseat the Dodgers and make a run at a title or two here in the next couple of years. I mean, because you got to think about it, right? What, what Harper has, I mean, six years on this deal, he's really going to be worth the money and then you're just paying him extra. I mean, how does this turn out, right? Well, I mean, even with the signing, they still have the financial flexibility to go after somebody like Mike Trout next year. I mean, I don't think they're going to be in the Trout sweepstakes, though. I think the Angels are going to pay him whatever the hell he wants. I think they're going to pay him more than 330 for 13 years. They'll lock him down as long as they can. It's all going to be up to Mike Trout wanting to leave or not. He is yeah. a Philly guy, though. He, he's he's going to leave. Mike Trout will leave the Angels because there's nothing around the Angels for him. And there's a lot of other teams out there that are going to make. He wants to win a championship. Who doesn't want to win a title at that age, you know? He, he, yeah, he can go and collect the money like Bryce Harper, or does he want to secure his legacy and go down as one of the greatest baseball players of all time? Because he is easily, I don't know how you feel about it, but he's probably the greatest baseball player athletically-wise and more fundamentally sound that we'll probably ever see in our lifetime. Oh, no. I mean, Mike Trout is easily the best baseball player of our generation that we've seen. I mean, probably the best freak of nature outside of bonds right i mean and we never got to see bonds we're too young for that like that was just outside of us i mean pool holes maybe in his early years but i think i mean all around five tools it's got to be trout so it's the biggest year it's the biggest uh, deal in american sports history uh like we've been discussing do you think trout gets an even bigger deal close to the 400 million dollar mark or do you think he takes a pay cut to go try and ring chase I don't know. I mean, well, obviously, if he wants the money, he goes to the Angels. But I, th- I think Trout, I, I, no, I think he'll get enough elsewhere. I mean, what I think we're not talking about here, and this is the biggest thing, right, is Harper got offered an absolute shit ton by the Dodgers, apparently, for four years. And he didn't get that. Or he didn't take that. He, he went years in total contract over a couple of years with a ton of money. I mean, I feel like you have to with, you know, $40 million a year for, I think it was four years, 160 mil is what the Dodgers offered. And that's fucking nuts. Yeah, that's a lot of money, but let's put it in your shoes here. Would you want to go play four years for 160 million and then do this all over again? Or do you want to get locked down somewhere, finally buy a house, worry about where your kids are going to go to school and where you're just going to, you know, post up for the next part of your life you know do you constantly want to be in the steady movement do you want to be the john jay of the league and play 12 different teams throughout your career or do you want to go down and just take it easy you know i mean i don't think bryce harper would be john jay i mean i think he'd get you know four years again afterwards i think the the big question though is and i mean honestly this is my thought right i feel like if you're bryce harper you're a competitor you're you're fucking out there showing out You know, you think over four years, you can prove to people these last few years isn't how good I am because he's had some pretty down years, at least in terms of batting average. The RBIs and home runs have been there. But I mean, I guess, you know, this 13 years looks like Bryce Harper saying, well, I can still be just as good as I am now and never have to worry about a change again because it's all guaranteed. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But Bryce Harper ends with the Phillies. The White Sox don't get him. Where do the White Sox go now? Oh, dude, the White Sox are so pitiful, man. I mean, there's nowhere to go but down, it seems like. Even when you're already in the basement, we're just finding ways to drill through the floor to the Earth's core. I mean, 
three and eight so far in spring training. And, you know, three and eight, okay, it's understandable, but a minus 30 run differential is not understandable, man. I mean, here, here, let me, they're allowing 20 more runs than the next um, worst team by run differential in the Cactus League. Just let me, let me give a rundown here of their last, uh, of a couple of highlight games. Their last five losses, in there, there are two wins and one tie. 11 to three, 13 to four. 11 to 0 and 7 to 4. Both of those today in a split squad. Like even half teams can't win on the Whites for the White Sox. I mean, it's it's bad, man. It, it's bad. Early spring training, stats don't matter. It's all about getting people reps, but goddamn, come on. Like for a young team that's supposed to be looking good, what 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 are we doing out here, White Sox? I mean, I I'm just gonna have to struggle this year to find 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 positive things that I can talk about. Because it's already looking, we already started off down lower and shooting down at a faster rate than the guaranteed rate red arrow outside the stadium. So, yeah, that's such uh, a stupid fucking name for a field. I, you know, I don't think I could come up with worse, but we can get to that at a different point. Let's just uh, the White Sox suck. That's just that's what I'm leaving it at already. I'm I'm already starting to feel like I want to pull the plug, but I'm gonna hold out for my baseball. What if they go get Dallas Keuchel and Adam Jones? I don't know about Adam Jones. I mean, we talked about that last week. Um, I mean, I'd love to see Keuchel in a White Sox uniform. That'd be awesome. Give me someone to actually want to go watch and see. But, I mean, yeah, man, I don't know. They're, they're about to still, if progression works well, I say a year or two away from really wanting to go after a A-grade, you know, A-lister free agent. So let's just let's just fucking give up on the White Sox for now. We'll go to the Hawks. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, if you want to keep talking about teams that lose, you know, the Blackhawks. We just talked about them last week, I believe. They were doing good. They were back in the playoff race, and now they're four and six in their last ten, and it, their season looks pretty much over. Yeah, they. The the Blackhawks went down faster than Michael Beasley scarfing down a fucking eighth of good nug. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the Hawks, uh, the Hawks just looked dead. They, they, we talked about them two weeks ago that they were coming out of the slump. They were looking good. They'd made the eighth seed and it just looks like they've gone to free fall four and six in their last 10. They fire their coach. Yeah. Joe Quenville got fired like the third week of the season. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I thought yeah. I, I thought we were talking about uh the assistant uh got it. Why can't I think of the the interim which oh. his name? Did he, uh, get, did he no. get fired? No, that would be funny though. You couldn't even make it as the interim. No, they'll keep him to the end of the year and then they'll look for someone to share up. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Hawks, it's I think the Hawks are an interesting case right now, right? Like I feel like they're like they're not building up for a dynasty like we're talking about with some of these teams. I mean, they're coming down off of one, and it looks like they're they're almost getting into this free fall mode. You know, I mean, I feel like what, what do you think they do from here? I mean, you got to develop some of the younger talent that you have. You still got your core two players in Kane and Taves that are locked down. I don't think Corey Crawford is the answer at goalie anymore. I think you need to go out and you got to find a better uh, puck stopper there. But um, I, I I think the Hawks maybe are a couple pieces away. You know, you lose Marion Hosa, you lose the veteran leadership. Like I said, you still got Kane and Taze, but you got to build around that if you're trying to get back into the playoff race. And I think you need to bring in a guy to coach the team that has the same type of mentality as Quenville and 
gets them all, you know, working together and as a team and keep those egos, you know, kind of aside. It's the hockey bro. We just need, just need a hockey bro out here in Chicago. Yeah, we need a Barry Melrose, man. <laughs> bro, Barry Melrose has just been absent from ESPN. I don't know where the fuck he is. He's just off fucking taking Percocet somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Hawks suck. The Hawks season's done. And we'll just transition this right into the NBA. Playoff LeBron doesn't play defense. He's getting pushed around by Kuzma. Patrick Beverly is balling his ass up, and the Lakers look like they're also done. And they're going to make not make the playoffs for the sixth straight year, and it's the sixth time in, like, 30 years or something like that that they haven't made the playoffs. And Luke Walton, I heard, is going to get fired. Snoop, I don't know if you saw the thing about Snoop Dogg. He said all of them need to be traded. They all suck. Uh, that he was actually giving away his uh, his box his his box seats for five dollars to anybody who wants them because he's just tired of watching the Lakers. Snoop Dogg was just asking. He, he's like, hook me up with a P five. Someone just give him a P5, roll through, drop a dime bag off at his fucking doorstep, and like he'll just leave the tickets out front. He probably just left them like somewhere taped to a sign, like the they'll do with like the nosebleeds. He has left his box seats there. He's like, all right, come find him, knock yourselves out. Yeah, I mean, Luke Walton's gone. We'll get to playoff LeBron later. I've canceled him, officially canceled. He's getting stripped of his bald guy of the week title. Um, I mean, yeah, no, it's. It's it's looking rough out there for the Lakers. Um, so as Dog said, though, where do you go from here if you're the Lakers? What do you think needs to happen with them, and if in order that for them to even compete in the West and somehow get a seventh or an eighth seed? Bro, I don't know what the hell you do because I don't think free agents want to come there. They're going to get a B list, B minus, C plus free agent. I mean, they're not going to get Anthony Davis, man. I mean, maybe with Boston now looking like they're they don't want any piece of him. But, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Because I would say, if it was up to me, I'd say you try to draft high and get a superstar. But with LeBron aging, man, you can't do that. You don't have time You don't have time for that to happen. So I don't really know what you do if you're the Lakers. Your hands are kind of tied. Well, Kevin Durant will be a free agent. Clay Thompson will potentially be a free agent in the year after or this year. I can't remember. Kyrie becomes a free agent. You still got Carmelo out there. Anthony Davis is going to be become a, becoming a free agent. And, you know, there's there's a lot of talent out there. I've heard rumors of Kyrie going to – oh, and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard will be a free agent as well. So, I mean, if you're Magic Johnson, I think at, at, the, uh, at the trade deadline next year or the upcoming draft this year, you got to move some of those pieces for either draft picks or potential players. And I, I believe, you know – Look, look at all the success that uh, LeBron has had in his career when he's had a dynamic big man. You know, he won championships with Chris Bosh. He played well with Shaq. He played um, who well with Verizhao for a very long time. He doesn't have that big man in, in, um, in L.A. JaVale McGee, Tyson <laughs> Chandler. Come on, dude. Those guys are scrubs now. They're not good. They're not starters. JaVale could probably be like an eighth or ninth man on any other team, but the Lakers, they don't have a lot of money to spend right now because they're paying LeBron up the ass. And it's like you got to figure out, if you're Magic Johnson right now, you need to figure out 
what what you're going to do at point guard because Lonzo Ball I don't think is the answer. I think they should have kept D'Angelo Russell. Uh, they're really hurting not having Julius Randle. And Kuzma, I think, is the only one that's going to stay. I think you got to dish off Ingram. you got to dish off Lonzo Ball. And you got to give up some draft picks. And you need to go out there and get someone like a Tobias Harris or a Lou Williams to be that, you know. The, the glue guy. Yeah, yeah. That, that shirtless guy who's going to hype up and get the fans going, but not the guy that's going to blow the championship. But um, you got to get a big man and you got to get a point guard because an, an aging turtle looking Rajon Rondo is not going to cut it. No. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, he, yeah, he, he had Caleb too. I think you forgot to mention, um, Cleveland. even though, even though Kevin Love didn't play great, he was still a good fundamental piece for that team. Yeah. I mean, maybe magic Johnson just continues to tamper and pick away at Ben Simmons and pulls him away from Philly. But one thought I had is you're uh, kind of going off there. Could you imagine what would happen if Kevin Durant went to Los Angeles to play with LeBron? Like as if he wasn't hated enough, could you just imagine what the reaction would be? Oh my God. That would be <laughs> the ultimate, like, bad guy of the NBA. Like if if they developed another bad boy Pistons team but in LA, that would be wild. You you bring Kyrie, you got KD, LeBron, and then somehow you bring Kawhi Leonard over and then you go pick up somebody like uh Chris uh, Birdman Anderson Bro, to be the fifth be, guy. Oh god, that would be the most ragtag team of personalities though. Kyrie saying the earth is flat. LeBron drinking wine on the bench. You'd have Kevin Durant yelling on social media from his burner accounts. And, and eating then, all fucking red velvet cupcakes. And then Kawhi Leonard just laughing away in his robot voice <laughs> on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, dude, it, I mean, it all seriousness though, even like if the bad boy Pistons, you have Kevin Durant tabletopping people with uh, with LeBron James, like LeBron gets behind him and Kevin Durant's gangly ass just runs up and pushes him over. <laughs> right? That's what I'm saying, though. The Lakers got to do something. But, you know, while we're on the NBA right now, we are a Chicago sports podcast. What the fuck is going on with the Bulls? Why do they keep winning, man? We're winning. <laughs> <laughs> we're meshing, and we have... a. Stupid, stupid bald uh, coach that doesn't do. He doesn't <laughs> never deserve a bald guy of the week. You know, nobody whoa, whoa. respects him. Watch, watch who you're. Uh, watch who you're yelling at for calling a bald guy. <laughs> but, uh, no, dude. I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I, why are we gelling right now? We we should be we should be anti gelling. We we need to be in like a you know you kind of jello and you keep it warm and it doesn't start to solidify. We need to be kept at that like kind of room temp. Like don't put us in the fridge yet. Don't get us don't get us don't get us jameshing. Don't get us gelling. Right. We need we need a Brandon Morrow on the Bulls and we need someone to just pull a back muscle putting on their pants or some shit. We, we need Levar Ball on the Bulls. That's yeah. That's what we need because we need to. We're winning games. Levine's averaging like thirty-five in his last like ten games. Uh, Larry Markinen is putting up stupid numbers, and Otto Porter Jr. is looking to be like a really good pickup for the Bulls. But we don't need him to be so good right now. We need to lose this year. Let's go all for it next year and try and you know make the playoffs. But this year we got to lose more games, man, because. 
the Phoenix Suns and the Knicks and the Lakers, or not the Lakers because I think they have too many wins, but the Knicks and the Hawks, I think, are who the other ones are. They're going to get better draft picks than us unless we somehow <laughs> somehow uh, get uh, rob the lottery again, like the year that we got Derrick Rose. Yeah, I mean, well, the nice thing is the lottery this year has changed, so it is worth noting the bottom three seeds or the bottom three worst records all have equal chances at the number one pick. It's their kind of mitigating tanking thing. Right now, the Bulls are in slot for the with the fourth worst record, so eighteen and forty-seven, killing it. Um, Cavs sixteen and forty-eight, Knicks thirteen fifty-one in the East, and then the Suns fourteen fifty-one in the West. Um, Speaking of which, though, I know you mentioned it. The unlikeliest rivalry, the Bulls and the Hawks, is emerging. Trey Young absolutely just shoots a fucking dagger from about half court and just stares him down the whole time. I can't remember who it was in the Bulls. I should know that. It was Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. Oh, Chris Dunn. He sucks. Yeah, he was, oh man, for such a big, good-looking dude from Providence. Like, he looked so great coming out, and he just hasn't performed but anyways so that leads me to a uh, little question i got for you is trey young right now going to be the rookie of the year over Doncic? you know i was thinking about this earlier and i feel like Doncic's Doncic means more to the mavericks right now but i just feel like trey young's balling i feel like he's he dropped what 40 something in that uh four overtime game against the Bulls. He had like 40-something points before he got... But it's it's crazy because I think they're both equally good, but I think just because of the hype and everything about Trey Young, I think he'll win rookie of the year. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, um, I think there was a sports... I don't know if it was a book or a site for gambling that was actually offering mid-season payouts to people who picked Doncic for rookie of the year at reduced payout costs. Like they were already like convinced that he was gonna win. Wow! Like they were yeah, yeah like I they would were giving you like, a dollar and twenty cents for every two dollars you were supposed to make or something if you just took the money on the spot instead of let, making them lose all the money that they were gonna lose. Yeah, I, you know, if we were in a state where it was legal for us to bet, I would definitely start getting into that. But uh, Trey Young. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think Trey Young is going to get the rookie of the year, barring barring an injury. I'm in the Doncic camp, but I think the one fun thing that it will be is um, this is the first like wild draft trade that I think I've seen in a, in a hot second uh, that we'll probably look at about ten years from now, and it will be like it'll be like the Rivers Manning trade in the NFL. Like we'll see dudes, two dudes that can that flat out ball, and like even though there will probably be no trade winner until like it's all said and done at this point the way these guys are projecting right now i'm i'm going to stop you there for a minute i think that dallas has already won that trade in the fact of if they don't have doncic i don't think they ever get kristaps that's a good point that's a good point and mark cuban got his tiny white guy from eastern europe exactly so oh. i think that wraps up about the nba talk for now, uh, we'll get into a little NFL talk. Uh, talk the combine. The combine. The combine is going on in. I think it's over now, right? It's in yeah. Indianapolis. Finished yesterday. Yep, finished yesterday in Indy. Um, I wanted to go through. I love the combine. 
personally. Not necessarily um, watching all of it. Some of it can get a little monotonous, but um, I was mentioning it last week. I'm a big fan of like uh, the freakish things that you see come out of it. Like Aaron Donald, when he came out, I had so much hype for that dude just because he did everything insane. So I just wanted to go through some of the freakiest things that I read um, and saw in terms of like just wild numbers put up. Number one, and this is not the number one everybody else has been talking about, is Alex Barnes, okay, running back, Kansas State, puts up 34 reps on the bench press. Dude's like 200 pounds. That's a and fucking tank. Right? They're benching 225? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, combine bench press is 225. 34 reps, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> he he was number two overall. Um I think the only guy in front of him, or there were, he might have been number three or four. It was all offensive and de- offensive linemen and defensive tackles in front of him. Freak. Yeah, Just, that's, <laughs> that's an animal. That's an animal. What about the 40 times? What did you see? Okay, okay. So Montez Sweat from Mississippi State, defensive end, sets the record with a 4 4 Bro, this dude ran as fast as the top running back speeds yesterday. This is a defensive end. Wow. Like, dude's madness. And I can't, to compare, the lowest that we got at the combine was Nate Herbig from, I think, Stanford. Ran a 5-4-1. Not that bad, honestly. I've, I've run a 40 before. It was 5-6 plus. I'm slow as shit. Don't get me wrong. This dude also weighs 100 more pounds than I did at the time. But that this means that this dude, Montez Sweat, the defensive end, was a full second faster going 40 yards. So, like, this poor Nate, bro, was at the 35-yard line by the time this dude was already done, at least. Maybe the 30. Like, yeah. Yeah, bro. The zoo was flying. Who holds the record right now? Is it still John Ross? Yeah, John Ross still has it. Um, he didn't. His record didn't even come close to getting touched. I think he's, what, 4-2-3? Yeah, I know Chris Johnson was 4-3-1. There's a there's a old rumor out there that um oh god why can't I think of his name um old receiver on the the box back in the early two thousands ran uh an unclocked three nine nine no way like a hand timed yeah which big deal but yeah some some wild like that um Dwayne Haskins ran the solid the most solid I should say. 5.04 last among the quarterbacks dude's a pure pocket passer but he is he's lumbering along out there he was sitting there with the alignment on times yeah those are some pretty crazy times especially for that uh, defensive end yeah. so uh, so what else did you see at this combine so <laughs> we have in the ultimate display of whiteness ross piercebacker also yeah. ultimate display of whiteness Offensive lineman from Alabama, my man's got a 22.5-inch vertical jump. I don't know <laughs> if that's good or not for, for, for what he is. Um, so let me put it this way. The, it was two inches less than everybody else, and um, the safeties are jumping about 44. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. My man's, bar- my man's barely got off the ground. <laughs> but hey, we'll we'll spin it. We'll spin it. Uh, low center of gravity, and and you know he ain't getting up there. You know he's not gonna he's not gonna be diva. And he he's gonna be all about just getting low. Low man wins. Right, right, right. <laughs> so white guys remain winless against gravity. Uh, Montez Sweat absolutely blows apart my brain. 
And Alex Barnes proves that he may be on the juice, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so <laughs> moving forward, do you want to uh, moving forward the NFL? Do, do you want to do some Bears talk? First? Yeah, let's, let's jump right into the actual teams here. The Bears release uh, Sam Acho, and they haven't re-signed Adrian Amos yet. We're hurting that safety. And there's a lot of good safeties that are still available, like Earl Thomas, Landon Collins, uh, Tyron Matthew. Who do you think the Bears need to sign that safety? Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're missing the most important free agent that's out there right now. Who am I missing? Chris Conti. Oh, God damn it. The man, the myth, the guy who cannot tackle a Green Bay Packer when he's standing in open field. (laughs) He's up there with Cody Parkey. Fuck Chris Conti, dude. You make that tackle on Randall Cobb, the game's fucking over. I'd never want to see that man's face in Chicago again. Chris Conti on the free agent market. So potential potential rekindling since we can get Robbie Gold. Who knows? Um, but no, I mean, I think in all seriousness, odds are you want to re-sign Amos just because he's in the system. He fits what you want to do. And a lot of the guys are out there a little bit more that uh, kind of um, linebacker rover role. Not a lot of the uh, kind of center field free safety. Or I think it's I can never remember him. I think it's strong safety. Um, like we see with Amos playing, um, you know, I think you got um, Eddie Jackson holding down the free safety spot well. So, I mean, I think your big thing here is, you know, putting like an Earl Thomas, maybe. That's what I saw when I saw I was like, Earl Thomas fits that role awesome. You know, I think he's in his 30s, but, you know, looking for a winning team. I think it's a good culture. Bring him in, hard-nosed dude, kind of, you know, help build with the mojo where we got on defense. That'd be, that'd be dope, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying here, but I'm going to go the other route, and I, I really do like Landon Collins, you know, teaming back up with Eddie Jackson from Alabama, and I, I think if if Landon really wants to win the championship, he'll take that pay cut to come to the Bears and come play with us. Um, I think Tyron Matthew is going to try and go out and get a stupid big contract from somebody. You know, I don't think he's really about winning a championship right now. I, I do agree with what you're saying about Earl Thomas. You know, he's coming on the decline of his career. He peaked uh, back when they won the championship in Seattle. He's and, a three-year-old. Dude. He's a three-year-old. Right. You got to you got to cut him some slack. I mean, you know, they're um, right. Years That's what I'm sick, which is where Collins is right now. I get that. But we should be able to get uh, we we could get Earl Thomas at a very uh, contract friendly uh, yep. wager. And Landon, if like I said, if he's willing to come and play with his buddy and take a pay cut, we could possibly lock him down for a, a friendly contract too. But I think Tyron Matthews out of the question. I know that Kansas City's shopping Justin Houston. I know the Steelers are shopping Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. You know, Nick Foles, I heard, is going to God, what was the team I just heard he was going to? Oh, Eric Weddle's a free agent too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're thinking of uh, Jacksonville for Nick Foles. They were the, he's going to yeah, replace Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he we got Nick Foles in Jacksonville. Um, but staying with the Bears stuff, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the Landon Collins thing. Um, if you can get him for the money, but I think with the salary cap, you're looking at more of an Earl Thomas, maybe re-sign Adrian to a team-friendly deal. But I mean, this is post-rookie contract, so he's going to be out looking for money too. Uh, I heard you mention the Steelers, though. 
What uh, what are you thinking with Le'Veon and Brown? Really quick, give me your two cents. Uh, personally, I would like to see Le'Veon Bell go to the Jets. Um, I would like Antonio Brown to possibly find his way to a Houston or a San Francisco. But that'd be a that'd be a dirty receiving combination, DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown, bro. Oof. That's what I'm saying, you know. But um, they just franchise tagged uh, Jadavian Clowney. You know, they're losing Tyron Matthews, so they don't have to pay him that contract. He was pretty good for them, though, in that little stretch they picked him up for. But I, but Antonio Brown, it all depends because he's still under contract. It all depends where what the best option is for Pittsburgh. I mean, he he obviously doesn't like playing with Big Ben. <clears throat> I don't blame him. Le'Veon Bell doesn't really want to be there anymore. We've already established that last year, and I think he, he will never see him in the Steelers uniform again. But Le'Ve- I've also heard that they could both be shopped to the Oakland Raiders. And the way that John Gruden has shown so far is he doesn't give a fuck who's on the roster. If he doesn't like you, he'll trade you. So if there's anybody that Pittsburgh wants, best believe they're going to get him from John Gruden. If he could get Le'Veon and Antonio Brown, he'll give up all those draft picks the Bears gave him. He'll give them back the washing machine that the Bears gave him for Khalil Mack. Whatever they need, John Gruden's going to give it to him for those two superstars. That would be such a terrible move for the Raiders to try to trade a, a couple of those first-round picks for Antonio Brown. Because, I mean, the big thing is um, Le'Veon's a free agent. Like he's not getting resigned, so it's already established he can he can go where he wants. Um, AB is still technically on the Steelers; they just have to trade him somewhere. So, I mean, if Oakland is dumb enough, I think to think that they're a receiver away from winning anything, then go go for it, I guess. But I mean, John Gruden, what are you doing, dude? If you but if they both, if they sign Le'Veon and they trade for Antonio, and you have that number one running back and that number one wide receiver, you just need to draft a quarterback in the draft because Derek Carr is not the answer. Yeah, but their defense sucks. That's the problem. They have no defense. Hey, that that's fine when you're putting up 40, 45 points a game. The, look at the Chiefs, though. That fuck them. Yeah, but at the same time, they're putting up the numbers, you know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. Like I said, I would really like to see Le'Veon go sign with someone like the Jets or somebody maybe like the Bills, you know, so be go be that guy. Uh, but Antonio, we don't know what's going to happen to him. He might do the same thing that Le'Veon did this year and next year and just sit out the entire year. And this is a very early uh, fantasy indicator. Because I always say every year, if you have the number one pick, draft Antonio Brown. If we don't see him traded by the time fantasy league start up, don't I wouldn't even draft Antonio Brown. No, of course not, man. He'd be like a way too up in the air type guy. But I think we'll have a better picture in the next couple of months. I mean, league year doesn't start for another couple of weeks anyways, so they really can't do anything as it is, even if they have a deal worked out. Right. So that wraps it up for our NFL talk. Uh, let's get into our interview with Brad Coons. We got the time. If It took a little longer than uh, we anticipated, but we got him on. He is a former 2001 champion, Miami Hurricane, playing with some greats like Vince Wilford, Jeremy Shockey, uh, Andre Johnson, Willis McGahee, just stupid talent on that team. We got a chance to talk to him. He told us some stories. 
Don't forget about Reggie Wayne. I was going to say, we, we, we need to mention Reggie Wayne as a shout-out here. Cause, uh, yeah, Reggie. He, he told us some stories about Reggie Wayne. You know, We asked him about the seventh floor crew. We, it, it's, it was a fun interview. So here's the Lots interview stuff. with, with uh, Brad Coons. All right, we now welcome on to the show a former national champion, and the pl- former head coach now at Plano High School, Brad Coons. Coach, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Uh, well, it's what's going on with you? I mean, you you're getting a new gig at uh, Plainfield East. Uh, you seem pretty excited about that. How did all that, you know, start to happen? Well, first off, excited to be on your show, man. Really excited what you guys are doing with this. Um, yeah, you know, I it, it was around Christmas time. And, you know, there were, there were just kind of some things going on in my family and, um, you know, my wife and I had some conversations and I got, I think I got to a point where I was, you know, I, I needed to chase something. And so I, I started applying for a couple jobs and, um, you know, I, I Plainfield East offered me and, um, you know, it's a big jump for me uh, going from a 4A school to a 7A, 8A school. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So I mean, it, it seems like yeah, going from four A to seven A, there's going to be a lot more, you know, challenges that you're going to have to overcome. Are you what? What's the deal with this job though? I've heard that you're the head coach. I heard you're one of the head coaches. Like, what what is your actual position on the football teams wise? Because I know you're also going to have to be teaching a class and stuff too. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the head football coach, um, okay. of the team and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that same role I was at Plano for the last six years. Um, and you know, I, I got my, I got a freebie shirt on here that I got. So I got my new logo. And as you can see, um, being a Miami hurricane, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the school colors. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean the colors. The colors do look good on you, just like uh, they did back at the the U. But going to Plainfield East, are you because it's such a bigger school? Do you have to like adapt your coaching style, or are you going to take some of the same methods that you had to do at Plano? Well, you know, at Plano, one of the things I always tried to do was because of my experiences and and some of the coaches on our staff with being a college football player. Um, you know, I, I tried to make it the most college style program possible. And for me, like there would be some frustrations because there were certain things that because we were a smaller school didn't transition over as, as well. But I feel like at a bigger school, it might be even more of an easier transition with something like that. So, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been to a lot of different places. I mean, I grew up in a town where I was a 2A school. You know, 3,600 people in the town, um, Carlisle, Illinois, and down by St. Louis. And, um, you know, my, my graduating class was 120, and that was the biggest graduating class in school history. So, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a different, way different world than that. Even Plano was a different world than that. But um, I think that, you know, at Miami, we always said that we wanted to be the most NFL-style program that there is. And... Now, Plainfield East, we're going to want to be the most college-style program that there is and, and kind of take some of the things that, you know, I learned from from there and transferred over. 
So you started off, Coach, uh, by mentioning kind of <clears throat> that you grew up in Carlisle, Illinois, small town, played, uh, you know, played football, and you played basketball. Yes, I did. Yeah. So we kind of want to talk a little bit about basketball. So obviously, how big were you in high school, first off, when you were getting recruited to U? Um, I was like, I was listed at 6'7", but I wasn't truly 6'7", until probably I was like 21 or 22. But I was listed at 6'7", in high school. I was probably like 6'5 and a half. You know, uh, I think I think my my uh, my junior year I might have been like two seventy five. My senior year I was like three fifteen. And my head basketball coach Brad Weathers, who uh, he's pretty pretty well known in Southern Illinois, and um, you know he's a, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He made sure that I was out on the track running lots of miles to get back down under under three hundred. So um, yeah, I remember that that experience. So. Basketball was basketball was my life. Is is my first love. Basketball for sure was. So, could you see the fear in people's eyes when you were kind of coming down the court when you were you'd like step on and when you uh, got into the court? Believe it or not, I was kind of a finesse player. Um, You know, I I uh, I always I mean I always was really good with my my pump fake my up and under was my best move. Even though you know I would have these little guys trying to block my shots, but I could get around them and. You know, I always I always was trying to get to the basket so I could try to dunk it. Um, I never successfully did it in the game, but um, in practice it was a lot of fun. You know, so yeah, yeah. gotta give them the euros. Yeah. Do you remember what your uh, your numbers were back in high school? Because we we pulled them up. We could tell you what they were, what you averaged. Oh man. Well, I know, like I was like around like I was just around ten points a game and like eight boards and like three blocks. Wow, that is impressive. You were almost spot on. You averaged 12 points, 8.7 rebounds, and 3.1 blocks a game. Okay. I knew I was close to that. <laughs> so. I, that's, that's fantastic numbers for somebody uh, at playing at a high school level. Did you get any college offers to go play ball anywhere? Um, you know, I did have, like, a few schools that were kind of courting me to do, like, the football and basketball thing together, um, some smaller schools. Um, and you know, my whole life basketball was my ultimate goal. And I think around third grade, I learned how to use the microwave. And so I became an offensive lineman by eating Schwann's microwavable pizzas all the time. So, um, you know, I, 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 uh, definitely, you know, my brother played basketball at university of Illinois and at Iowa state. Um, and that was kind of who I looked up to and I wanted to be like him. And, you know, I, I remember I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school and I had gone to Kentucky basketball camp for six years straight and the uh, football camp was going on at the same time. And there was a there was a coach from the football camp was like, hey, you should be at football camp. And I'm like, no, man, I'm a basketball player. You know, so that, that was my mindset. And and, you know, it, it I actually did get to play on the team at Miami for about two and a half weeks um which was a lot of fun and then uh i had happened to get hurt in football practice and um didn't finish the basketball season had to had to get better for nfl combine and stuff like that so gotcha, gotcha. okay so um coach as we mentioned here you uh went to the u you're on the 2001 national championship team uh did larry coker recruit you there what was the recruitment kind of process like when you so I was actually recruited by Butch Davis um, and was, was there with Butch Davis for a year. And after that, um, I had Larry Coker for four years. So I was there, like, if you watch the movie The U Part 2, 
all the good stuff before uh, before all the bad stuff started happening. That was my era, so it was, it was a good time to be there. Um, and you know, I, I never knew Nevin Shapiro, um, even though if you watch the U Part Two, I'm running out right behind him in the smoke, and I, I didn't I didn't know who he was. So so yeah, so I, I that's it was it was the right time to be there. Um, we won 34 straight games at one point. We won a national championship. Probably should have won three. Um, you know, the, the my freshman year, uh, the BCS, we had beaten Florida State, and Florida State got to play in the national championship game. And then my sophomore year, we lost to Ohio State on probably the most controversial uh, pass interference penalty ever called in, in college football history. So, so I was actually going to bring out the uh, – uh, championship game against Ohio State. It's a double yeah. classic. You guys, unfortunately, on the wrong end of that. Just uh, how heartbreaking is that on the field when you go that hard and you get down to the two-yard line and then, you know, just three rough plays in a row? Kind of how heartbreaking is that to be a player on the sideline? I think that the hardest part about everything was that we celebrated like we won the game. Like when that when that pass interference call happened, it was like eight seconds after they blow, blew the play dead. So, like, we were running onto the field with T-shirts in our hands and, and getting excited, and they were bringing out bags of Tostitos chips with the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Um, you know, I remember I remember Sean Taylor threw his helmet as high as he could in the air, and it landed on the ground, and all the, like, pieces flew out of it. So, like, we were like, this is over. And then it wasn't. And I think – I think the up and down in that moment contributed to us not being able to pull it off in the end, but it also made it so much harder because we were, we were at such a high point to go to such a low point. Um, you know, that's, that's something that's always stuck with me. And I, I still to this day, you know, it just kind of, I don't, I don't know if, if you say you have like, uh, it, it's definitely not post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's definitely something where like things trigger how you felt in that moment and you know it kind of it kind of uh still hurts you know yeah it's it's, it's with me so you mentioned sean taylor you played with a lot of players that went on to have a lot and uh nfl careers uh who was the one player on your team that you could go to for anything and who was that one player who you kind of just stayed away from that's a good question um I would say the guy I could always count on was Jeremy Shockey. Um, he was he was my roommate during uh, like summer workouts. I, I stayed at his house like on his couch um, during the summers, and he like he would let me borrow his car from time to time because I was you know thousands of miles away from my hometown and didn't really have a whole lot down with me. So um, you know he was he was my go to guy if I needed something, and he always took care of me and. You know, he's, he's probably one of the most misunderstood guys that there is on um, this played in the NFL because he, uh, he comes off as this crazy guy that, that you know, goes out there and, and has all these – has like – I don't know, he had these awesome tattoos, the, the American flag sleeve with the eagle and stuff, you know. But he has, a, he has a huge heart and was always looking out for everybody. And, you know, that was one thing that was always in our, in our family, our football family, you know – the highest, the highest uh, player, the lowest player got treated the same. And so, like, you know, it's kind of tough to say who I stayed away from because 
I felt like, pretty close with all one the guys. That had the mentality of, you know, I'm the man of the team, like I'm the superstar, and it's like everything revolved around him. Who who had that mentality? You know, I think I don't think we had that. I think that's why we were the best team that ever existed. Because I, I think the mentality of our team was, if there's somebody better than me, they need to be starting. And we all believed in that. You know, I mean, there were players that had their moments, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, I mean, like, it, I'd say the most awkward thing that ever happened was getting autographs in the locker room from your teammates. That that had to be one of the most awkward things. Um, and, you know, that, that was probably, well, I got a good story, but I probably shouldn't tell it. So yes, you're um, on a podcast. You can say whatever you want. There's no restrictions here. Okay. Well, it's it's my fault. So, okay. Well, I'm kind of coming clean a little bit. Okay. So, um, oh, we got confession. First confession yeah. on session three one two. So, Coach I, I That's right. It's right here, man. So, like, I remember I was a, a freshman, and there was one of my teammates that um, he wanted his football signed, but he was intimidated by Reggie Wayne, and. He's like, hey, will you just take this over? I feel really weird asking him for an autograph. I'm like, sure. So I go over there. The autograph's already, like, the football's completely filled. And <laughs> I get over to Reggie Wayne, and he's like, well, where do you want me to sign it? And he's like, man, you come to the best players first. They get the prime spots. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, it's not my football. I didn't admit to it. I just kind of took it. But, you know, he, he, that was one of those moments that's like, oh, you know, so I – that was that was one one moment like that, but I mean, he was also one of the coolest guys that I ever met. So, what'd you say? I said, yeah, Reggie Wayne's pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I have a question here. So, you guys had, I mean, I assume when you have all of these NFL stars, these dudes that come on, that come on to be or go on to be absolute beasts on the field, they had to have a little bit of an ego. They've been, you know, just kind of the swagger. Not not ego swagger, we'll say. How did everybody kind of go about? Because you mentioned, you know, there wasn't anyone on the team that was really kind of the um, egocentric and trying to hog sure. the light. So how were all of the egos managed together? Um, and almost um, was that the coaching staff that kind of pushed everything towards winning and pushed all those egos towards if you win, it's fine? Or kind of how did that dynamic work? You know, I think it was all led by the players. And I think it was more of a it was more of a get on my level mentality than it was a you're not on my level mentality. So I think that the guys that had the most swagger, the most confidence, the most, you know, reason to be cocky, were looking to help other guys learn how to be that way, you know? So um, I would say my biggest, the biggest thing that I regret is I wish I could have been more college football educated going into what I went through. Because for me, you know, when I experienced it, I didn't know a whole lot. I was just like, oh, we're, you know, we're the number one team in the country. That's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like, I, here I am from a small town in southern Illinois. I'm on the Miami Hurricanes. We're winning, you know, getting ready to win a national championship. And, like, I think it's kind of cool. You know, I, everybody else is saying it's cool. But I had no, like, mentality picture of, you know, how amazing things really were. So as a player of that national championship team, as you were still a student at the University of Miami, how 
what did it you guys were basically rock stars on campus what did it feel like walking from class to class were, were people always looking at you being like oh hey you know he's a football player he's a football player did you guys get special treatment like well i would say at miami there is just a really weird dynamic because there were basically two types of people on campus you were either a, an athlete or you were really really rich and and that's what it was and you could tell the difference because the athletes would have all their their team issued gear on you know because that's probably most of the stuff we could afford in miami you know and and everybody else was coming to class like they were in the club so um just completely dressed up and 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 ready to go so um i mean i i think that you know we had like our spot on campus where we were and 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 you know i think i think there was like a sense of almost the opposite of like feeling like when you're on campus that, you know, that there's something like we're, we're getting a benefit from it. Um, we constantly had to deal with stereotypes with, you know, like I remember I had a, a professor in my uh, chemistry class that, you know, he basically talked me out of becoming a doctor because I, that was my original goal was to be a doctor and, and, um, you know, I was, I was biology pre-med and, and he said, if, if you're going to be a doctor, you need to give up football and be a doctor. He's like, you're not going to be able to do both. And, um, that's just kind of was the way things were for us. And I think it put a chip on our shoulder and, and kind of united us in that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now that, uh, your college days are over now, you have a very successful job coaching high school football kids and the, the things you do for the community itself. Do you still have any contact with any of your former uh, teammates back at the U? Quite a bit. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of tell you, like, from leaving college to now, um, you know, I, I did play, you know, arena and, and CFL a little bit and stuff like that. Um, but there's like this time period for all the guys that go through, and, and I understand it completely. You know, me not being an NFL guy, the NFL guys kind of go through this isolation period where, you know, and I understand it. If, if, you know, I ask them for something, it's like, well, are they just asking me for something or is this still my friend? You know what I mean? Like there's right. just kind of this idea of, you know, like I got so many people asking me for stuff and, and you lose touch with them. So like I, I've had guys that I was really close with for five years at Miami. I lost touch with them for a few years because of that type of thing. Um, but now it's like, you know, I have group text messages with guys all the time. And like on my birthday, I got a bunch of text messages, like, you know, stuff like that. It's just, it's really cool how things kind of come full circle. And, um, you know, I, I definitely keep in touch with a lot of guys that, that, uh, you know, are, are good dudes and, um, you know, people, people that I'm, you know, built a good relationship with. So. I'm actually going to take it back because I realized that uh, I remember I was reading, there was an article that came out about you and I cannot remember the player's name, but you made a, they did a profile that you uh, made a creative character in NCAA football for him. Oh yeah. 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 Um, wait, who was that? Thomas Carroll. Okay. Thomas Carroll. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, you a big NCAA football guy or are you a Madden guy? Are you still? Man, I am a huge NCAA football guy. The only video game I've played since 2000 and, 14 is NCAA football 2014. 
So, I mean, ever since it ended, I, I still continue to play on the same one. And, um, you know, I, I do love – I miss the game. Um, it, it's unfortunate that pe- people got greedy and, you know, kind of ruined it for everybody else because they wanted to get theirs. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a whole other side to it of, yeah, well, the NCAA is making money off of us. You know, I, I've always been fine with them making money off of us. I got to experience – have the greatest experiences of my life. So – um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely enjoy NCAA football. That's, that's, that's my game. So. Oh yeah. 100%. I actually remember like 2005 with Reggie Bush on, it was one of the first video games I ever played as a little kid and you could run, you'd always run the read option or the, the, um, the, the speed option and yep. you could run it and Reggie Bush would always be able to beat people to the corner. It was almost like techno or techno bowl with, uh, <laughs> with Bo Jackson. Yeah. No doubt. So you mentioned you played uh, the Canadian Football League and some of the Arena Football League. Um, before you went undrafted, what ha- what exactly happened with the knee injury? Because that's the ultimate factor in why you didn't get drafted. Sure. So um, before – it was right before – I'll go all the way back to uh, – right before our Canis Peach Bowl against the Florida Gators. Um we had two weeks off basically to take, take our finals and focus on our finals. And I was on the basketball team for those two weeks and practiced with the team. And, and, you know, I was, when we got back from the bowl game, I was supposed to join the basketball team. Well, I get to the very last rep of the very last practice before we head home for Christmas and then get to go to the bowl game in Atlanta on the peach bowl. And I sprained my MCL. And so at that point, I uh, I went and I played in the game, and you know I probably shouldn't have, but I, I was I was just on field goal PAT, and uh, you know so I, I I definitely wanted to play my last college football game, and then I had to make the decision: do I want to play basketball or do I want to get ready for the pro day? And so I chose to get ready for the pro day. Um, I told the basketball coaches I wasn't going to play. Frank Haith was the head coach at the time. Um, and so I started training and training and, and things were going really well. My 40 had dropped. My, my 510 five shuttle was pretty dang good. And, and I had the longest, uh, reach in the draft. So like my arms, my arms were really freakishly long. So, um, you know, I, I was pretty excited about things. Um, after my pro day, I had a really good pro day. Um, I had six workouts lined up and on my 23rd birthday, I, uh, had, which is March 1st, my birthday just happened. Um, I had a workout with the Miami Dolphins, and um, again, on the very last rep of the uh, the drills they were having us do, I uh, dislocated my kneecap. And so the reason that the 23rd birthday is important is back then, on your 23rd birthday, you're no longer on your parents' insurance. And so I had to sign a waiver, um, you know, and, and I had this, this major injury, and, you know, there was nothing I could do to fix it. There was no way I could afford anything to take care of it. The Miami, the Dolphins wouldn't take care of it. Um, at, with the Hurricanes, they would rehab me, but they, they weren't allowed to give me extra benefits. So they couldn't send me to a doctor or anything. Um, fortunately, there was a doctor down there that gave me an MRI uh, pro bono. And um, so I, I, I got that MRI and, you know, it, it showed that, you know, I had torn the ligament that holds the, the kneecap in place and that there was like a lot of stuff floating around in there. So, 
um, I basically had a rehab for about, you know, four to five months. And um, during that time period, I basically missed every opportunity. You know, I, I went to my first workout, didn't get to go to any of the other five. Um, you know, I, I had a really good agent. I just kind of hooked on with a really good agent that was going to help me out. And, uh, you know, it, it just, all that kind of went away, you know? So, um, that's, that's how that happened. And, you know, I, I was fortunate to get to play arena ball for a while and, and, you know, to see, you know, a month in the CFL, um, that was, that was probably the highlight of things. Uh, but you know, the, the path led me to where I am now. And, you know, I, my last year of arena ball, is how I met my wife. So, you know, with, with if anything would have happened differently, you know, I feel like it was God's plan. If anything had happened differently, I, I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't have, you know, two awesome three-year-old twin boys. So, yeah, that's that's a great way to look at things. That's, and I would have never had you in my English class. I, right? Right? You know. you, you ever think about, you know, some of the kids that came out of the school? Like, we have, that we got Paul who's blowing up. We got Jake, a high school dropout, who's DJing, touring around the country. We got people that sell cars and are making tons and tons of money. Like It's just crazy how time flies and how people can adapt over time. Um, But speaking back to high school, I got to ask, because we asked Joe, and he wouldn't give us the honest answer. Was Joe Jones the best athlete to come out of Plano over Nick Nasty? I know you didn't really get to watch Nick play as much as Joe, but yeah. well, if you're talking athlete, Joe's the best athlete. He's probably the best athlete in the state of Illinois. I mean, Joe, his hurdle time was unreal. And the thing about Joe, our school record should be a lot lower in the hurdles than it is, but Joe never had to run his fastest race. And so he never got to he never got to go full tilt. His the one time he did um, was at like an all star like an all star track meet that was after the season, and he obliterated the school record by like point five. So I mean it was it was just you know he's just a phenomenal athlete, and that's kind of what took him to where he is is because he was so good at the combine stuff, you know, and, and it got him noticed. And um, you know, I mean he he only really started most of his senior year at. at Northwestern, but he was such a freak athlete that he just fit into what you know NFL teams what they what they want. Who yeah. was faster player, Joe Jones or Javon? Who was faster? Yeah. Well, Joe was faster because Joe uh, Joe held the the record for the hundred for the longest time, but then Izzy Adiote broke it a couple years ago. So that was that. He's at North Dakota now playing wide receiver. So. Um, and we got a kid now that's probably going to break that record. His name's Keegan Cullison. Uh, he's he's a wide receiver as well for the team. So he's having a really great track season. Um, he already broke the 55-meter and 60-meter record um, that Joe had. So it's a lot of fun. I'm the head track coach right now, so that's right. You're double so. dip. Okay. okay. I do a little bit of everything. I dabble. I was going to say basketball, football, track. You're holding yeah. it. So – I do have a question though, and we're going to uh, kind of try to come full circle here. So you're at Plainfield East now. Um, you're transitioning from one head coaching position to another. What is kind of um, your approach to going about rallying the guys behind you with this kind of change? They had a new, they had an old coach. Now you come in as the new guy. You know, how do you kind of get their uh, get their support and kind of get them on your side and gain their trust, et cetera? You know, I think I think the biggest thing was our first meeting we had. 
Um, you know, I, I came in and, and I was just completely honest with them about who I am. Um, you know, I, I laid out 10 things that I was, they could get from me. They knew they would be able to get from me and, and 10 things I was wanting from them. And, um, you know, the biggest thing was just them knowing that I care about them more than just as a football player. I, I want to see them succeed at the next level, um, that type of thing. And so, you know, it's, it's been tough just because I am the head track coach at Plano still, and I'm still teaching at Plano. Um, so I'm not necessarily over there as much as I'd like to be. Um, but it's, it's great to have assistants over there that are taking care of things right now. And, you know, my phone gets flooded with text messages from those guys all the time. So we have an open line of communication. You know, I'm trying to help guys that are seniors trying to get recruited. Um, and we got, we got a couple of really good ones that are, are got a good shot to go D1. And so, uh, we, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can with that. And, you know, the thing I told them was be patient. It is what it is. The situation is what it is. And, you know, as long as everything's ready to go June 1st, whenever we start summer, um, you know, I think I think everything's going to be great. So what what is the number one thing you're looking forward to the most when you arrive there officially and are all settled in at Plainfield East? And what is that one thing about Plano High School that you're going to look back and, you know, kind of embrace them the most and just what sure. you're going to miss? Well, at Plainfield East, I think the, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is a fresh start, you know, because going through being head coach for six years, there's always things that you like, oh, if I would have done this differently or I would have done that differently and you can't take it back. Well, you know, here I am stepping into a program that has only existed for 10 years. You know, there's not a lot of tradition and, you know, I can take a lot of the ideas that I have and that could become the tradition. So I would say that's one thing that I'm excited about. It's just the chance that it's kind of it's not like an empty book, but I mean there's a lot of a lot of room to write on that those first few pages to see you know what direction the program's going to go. So um, I would say that's one thing. The other thing is just how amazing everybody that I've met over there is, how positive they are, how supportive of kids they are, and so you know it feels like I'm walking into a place that's going to be just awesome with how they how they treat the kids. Um, I'd say the biggest thing I'm going to miss about Plano is, uh, you know, the guys that I've been coaching the last six years, the guys that, you know, went to Reaper Up football camp when they were a little kid. And, and you know, I didn't get a chance to coach them all the way through high school. Um, you know, I, I think the three classes that we have, the juniors through freshmen right now, um, are all really talented, but they're really good kids. And, you know, I, I hate having left them you know, and feeling like I left them. And it's just been the the thing that's gotten me through it is how positive they've been to understand that this is a big opportunity for me and my family. Um, so I, I haven't gotten any negative pushback from those guys. Um, you know, I can still talk to them in the hallway. I'm still coaching some of them in track. Um, but, you know, I, I think, man, the kids that we have, they're, they're just awesome. Like you, I mean, you know, I miss having you in class, and I, I was sad that you you left your senior year. And, and yeah, right, you know. not a lot of people remember that. Not a lot of people know that they I didn't go to graduation with them. And I was like, yeah, I because my mom all of a sudden she's like, no, nah, we're gonna move back to Lombard. And what's funny was when I transferred back. I had more than enough credits that I needed to graduate early, but because I hadn't attended the school long enough, I had to sit there for eight hours a day, not needing any credits in any of those classes. But, uh, Coach, before we let you go, we'll move on to our uh, final questions each. Uh, Drew, you got one more? 
Yeah, so you can choose, um, full disclosure firsthand, to not answer this if you don't want to, but were you around for the seventh floor crew thing? I was playing arena football when that became a thing. <laughs> so I was not around for the seventh floor crew. Okay. Um, I will admit that being somebody that was one year out of college, I was like, all right, I, I get this. You know, I, I thought it was funny, you know, but, but you know, I mean, it. the thing I do know about it is that it was just a bunch of guys sitting around in a room, you know, freestyling, and unfortunately somebody leaked it. You know, that's that's the way it is. So it's, you know. Yeah. So. I know for some of those guys it's a touchy subject, but honestly, I mean, I think I – I actually showed Quentin it while we were kind of going through some pre stuff. And he also thought the same thing. I mean, we find it enjoyable. We find it funny. Do you think if that would have happened now in the social media era, it's as big of a deal? Or do you think people kind of are more uh, accustomed and acclimated? I think, I think everybody's numb to that stuff now. I mean, at that time it was still very like, Whoa, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, I got Facebook my senior year in college. That was when Facebook was invented. And so like, Facebook started out as only at a certain number of colleges and you had to have that college's email address to join Facebook. So like, like there was only like six of them, I think. So we were, we were one of them and we got to t like be the test out, test it out and stuff. But, um, you know, I know there are probably Facebook posts from my college, my one year of Facebook in college that if I went back and looked at, it, I'd be like, what am I doing why am i posting this but we didn't know i mean it was the first time it ever happened i mean it's just like what is this thing it happens the same way with us we just look back when we're 13 and we get it now i mean can you, I yeah. mean, you can only imagine the high schoolers in five years when they were 10 and they were writing stuff out on facebook how embarrassing it'll get and potentially controversial but who knows so yeah yeah i mean and i i look at it like there are some of my teammates that had very successful nfl careers that might not have had those nfl careers based off of what they probably would have said on Twitter, you know? So I, I would, maybe it was a blessing that it, it didn't happen until after, after the fact. Don't give the 2001 Miami hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Don't give us Twitter. No. <laughs> okay, coach. I got one final question for you before we let you go. You are now the formal, former football head coach at Plano high. Who do you think takes the reins next, or who would you like to see get that opportunity to coach at an elite level? You know, I I know that they did interviews on Saturday, and and um, you know they're they're in the middle of a process. They got another round left. Um, you know, I have a bunch of assistants that are more than qualified. I'm excited for them to get the opportunity. Um, so I think anybody that was there while I was there, I'm I'm pretty happy with. Um, I wish. I really wish Matt Key would have been the head coach, but he decided not to to uh, apply for it. What? Uh, so, so yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. It could be somebody from the outside. The thing that I care about most is that they're willing to give the same commitment I had to getting guys to go to college. You know, I, I put a lot of work into the recruiting end of things, and. Um, you know, that's, that's my biggest fear is I've, I've got a lot of guys that are going to be seniors next year that are set up to have an opportunity to play somewhere. Um, you know, I just, I just hope that somebody's there that can finish the job for them and, uh, you know, that they can be successful. So. All right, coach. Well, we thank you for taking the time to come on our show. Uh, we thank you for all the time and support and stuff you've put in for Plano High School. We wish you the best at your new uh, career opportunity at Plainfield East, and we hope to have you back sometime soon. 
Hey, thanks so much. This is the first time I've ever Skyped. So I, you know, I, I never had to do this before. So I, I know I probably made some weird facial expressions that you make when you're looking at your computer and stuff, you know, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. So I appreciate you guys having me on and yeah, I look forward to you guys, look forward to you guys blowing up me and, you know, big time. So you'll be interview number three. So we'll, we'll definitely give you a shout out. All right. Awesome. Thanks. Happy belated birthday too. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we're back. That was the interview with Brad Coons. Uh, that interview was brought to you by Swazo Paintings. Swazo Paintings has been painting the Chicagoland area for about 20 to 25 years. They do interior, exterior, decks, removing wallpaper, staining, trim, crown molding. You just need to change the color in your life or you don't like the colors your husband picked out. Give him a call. Raul Suazo at 630-272-2096 or send an email to suazopainting at iCloud.com. S-U-A-Z-O-P-A-I-N-T-I-N-G. Free estimates for any inquirers, 272-2096. So that was the interview with Brad Coons. He was a cool guy. Uh, that was your first time you got to meet him, but I actually grew up with him. You know, he was my English teacher. Yeah, no, I mean, Brad, Brad was awesome. Super cool interview. Lots of really, really interesting stuff. Uh, great to hear about the Miami Hurricanes, kind of hear what's going on with his life and some of the uh, kind of advancements he made. And he's doing great for himself um, after getting out of the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had a ton of fun doing it with Brad. It took a little bit longer to get than we were hoping for, but it was worth it in the end, for sure. Yeah, it was really worth it. And after we got done recording, he actually talked to us uh a little bit and then he messaged me personally and said he's got a lot more uh college stories and miami football stories that he'll tell the next time he comes on because we didn't want to keep him too long from his wife and kids <laughs> but that should be some good content for you guys when he comes back on later in the future but that was our interview this week and i don't know who we're gonna have for our next show i haven't decided yet i'm Maybe actually Box. I'm actually thinking that we um I'm thinking that we take maybe the next two weeks off from having a show because we we both got stuff going on. I'll be back up in Chicago. You're still out in Virginia. I won't necessarily have the platform to edit the show on until I get back down to Carbondale. So we may take a break for two weeks and you know reschedule a couple things for when we get back. But I'm thinking either. Lane Reason, uh, maybe Cole Bennett of Lyrical Lemonade, or Kavion Pippen. So one of those three will probably be on when we come back. In the meantime, though, let's get to uh, some segments. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to open things up here because I need to make a retraction from last week's Bald Guy of the Week, considering it was the inaugural one. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Jesse Rogers was our inaugural one. Keep going, Jesse. You're doing good. Um Second inaugural bald guy of the week. Got to revoke LeBron's honors. So playoff LeBron was falsely activated. It's been recalled. Sending it back to China. We got nothing with it. LeBron's off. He's canceled. They're playing like shit. He's throwing the ball off the backboard and pretending to run down the court. Not getting rebounds. Not boxing or not closing out. Nothing, man. I mean, I'm revoking LeBron. You're canceled. He's getting bodied by Patrick Beverly. Yeah, man. Le- LeBron, you out. You, you, you give me my bald guy paperback. So who's your bald guy of the week this week? 
I'm 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 holding it open because of LeBron. He he's just left an open spot on it. I haven't uh we're 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 canceling bald guy of the week for LeBron. <laughs> so there's no bald guy this week because it's no, LeBron. I'm infuriated about it, but I do. Uh, we should start sending pieces of paper to these people's agents and seeing if they actually give it to them. <laughs> oh, you you want to start? You want to start with Brad Coons? Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? I will give it to Brad. I didn't want to give it to Brad because I didn't know if he was fully letting go. But you know, we will send Brad one. We'll send him. Um, we're gonna do it in 2003. Microsoft Word art. We'll get it with the big bubbly blue letters, and it will say "Bald Guy of the Week" with some logo that I will um first create on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this. you I'm gonna give you until Thursday to uh, come up with that and email it to me. Because I'm actually going to uh, pick up a couple cans of uh, ski soda that I know he likes, and I'm gonna drop that off to him as a little thank you for coming onto the pod. So yeah. if you—that's me—I'll print it out and give him his certificate for ball guy that can some ski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do, and uh, we'll we'll see if we can get a picture firsthand with you too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it for okay. the Instagram. So that was okay. the ball guy of the week. I think that was a very good ball guy of the week, Brad Coons, and fuck Sorry. LeBron James. I should have thought that. Yeah, we can tell him too. He got um he upended LeBron James, so he back to backed it. I mean, talk about a follow up. Brad wins that one. Back to back. <laughs> All right, so that was the ball guy of the week. Uh, now this week's episode, we have another starting five. It's been a fan favorite so far with some of the topics that we've discussed, and this week we are going with the starting five animals that we could do without. Um, we were going to say extinct, but then I thought to myself, you know, PETA might get on our ass about that a little bit. So just, you know, the animals that we, we don't want to live with anymore in the world. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's things that we, we say, if we wipe this out, would it affect your life in any way? Obviously there's extras, but we're focusing on purely the aesthetics and my life being improved, which is all that really matters here. So, Quentin, I'll let you start. You're going to let me start? I'll let you start. My number one, mosquitoes. Those little fuckers, they they have no place on this planet. They only come out around the 4th of July and when the grass gets wet in the mornings and they just fuck with you at night. And then you get all itchy and bumpy and you look gross. And these mosquitoes, you know, they just suck the blood out of you. And, you know, there's fat ones and huge ones and super small ones. Nah, fuck, fuck you, mosquitoes. Get out of here. <laughs> mosquitoes, I thought you said ex-girlfriends. Ha, 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 ha. What's the no. guy from Sesame Street? He's like, ar, ar, ar. You know what I'm talking about? Snuffleupagus, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's my number one. Yeah, I think I think everyone can unanimously agree that um <laughs> mosquitoes are definitely number one on that list. I'm gonna try to stay away from the small bugs, but I do have to go with one bug actually as my number one. Cicadas. Ah, oh, you know, I was thinking that too. They come out once every ten years and they do nothing. They just kinda chill. They stick to you and like float around in like mobs. There's like there's like post up on every corner and you have you can't get around them. You can't you can't avoid them. They have those creepy red eyes. They serve like little to no purpose. I think they come out every 17 years to be exact. But you can hear them. You can hear them all the time. And they're fucking loud as shit. It's just one big mis- fucking cicada orgy for that whole summer. And then they're just, just go away again. 
It is. That's exactly what they do. They have a fucking frenzy. All remember when you used to live in Lamont and we went outside and they were just flying all over the place. We're like, fuck this. Yeah, man. I remember like you'd be like a little kid and like you like pick it up and like try to put it on someone if you wanted to bug him in elementary school. Oh my gosh. All right. Sticking away from the bugs now, but we're gonna stick with those little flying fuckers. My number two is a combination of three. I'm going to go with pigeons, seagulls, and crows. They're the most useless birds there are on the planet. The seagulls are always storming Wrigley Field around 4 p.m., and there's more birds out there than there are people in the bleachers. And pigeons, pigeons piss me off because when I'm sitting at In-N-Out Burger for the first time in Phoenix, there's like 10 to 20 pigeons just on the ground walking around by me. And to get them away, I got to throw them one of my fries. And then after they get it, they come right back and you can't get rid of them. That's not how you get rid of them. But hey, are you are you woke, though? The birds are just government conspiracy, men. Oh, I'm woke. Yeah. The birds are just government conspiracy. They, 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 they left. You notice once the government shut down, birds disappeared. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> you have no point. See, I, st- I stand correct. <laughs> um, all right. Um, let me move into uh, number two here. I'm going to go with skunks. They smell bad. They fucking stink up your dog. They cr- just kind of creep around my home at night come into my space, make me smell like shit, and have to get into tomato juice. Fuck you, skunks. Wait, you got sprayed? No, I, I haven't personally been, spay- been sprayed, but in a, in a general sense, of course. Oh, man, I was going to say, that would be a good story if you got sprayed. No, we'll go through, we'll go through stories at some other time. No, this is not a personal, uh, personal story. All right, so moving on to my number three, then. I'm going to go with these creepy gross-looking animals that are useless to the entire species, the opossum. They're so gross-looking. They're ugly as hell. They have no purpose, except for, like, I think they eat bugs or some shit. Why? Why do we have these opossum all over the place? And I'm going to keep specifying the opossum because there is that goddamn O in the front of possum. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, dude. I think, uh... What's it called? I think uh, they're there to maybe naturally select the human race by just running out in front of your car and then sitting there so people swerve off the road. Maybe they're just damage control for us. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. Possums suck. (laughs) Possums suck. God, I feel like I'm going to try to... uh, What's something that we could get away from? I'm trying to... I, I I have lots of insects and like general like raccoon type rodents on here which i'm gonna save as an honorable mention because i don't want to count the same thing over um you know what i'm gonna go with the platypus very random animal but it really kind of just does nothing it kind of just sits there i think they're mute they're technically mammals but really like they serve no purpose other than kind of like posting up maybe they're just food bait for something i don't know dude what the fuck's a platypus i've never seen a platypus in real life i've seen perry Maybe they don't exist. Maybe they just maybe someone just made them up one time. I've never seen a platypus in real life. <laughs> I've never seen a porcupine in real life either. I've seen oh I've seen I've seen little ones right because they have them as pets. Oh no, those are hedgehogs. They're basically yeah, those, the same. 
the porcupines are the little things that are fucking huge with the spikes. You know, I've never seen them. Yeah. No, yeah, they they the quills, but uh, they're like hedgehogs, but like big hedgehogs and like less cute. Yeah. So, so that was your third one. That's a good one. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go back to the bird species here with my fourth one. Why the fuck do we need peacocks? Tell me. You're in the zoo. You're going to see all the animals, but these peacocks are on the loose. They're not in cage. They're not on exhibit, and they can't fly. They're just colorful and aggressive. Like, why? Why do we need these peacocks? Peacocks fuck, dude. You ever seen that? Dude, peacocks are wild. <laughs> they just strut around, and they have this big-ass tail that puffs out. They're fucking... They, they fuck. If, they're, if any animal fucks, the peacock fucks. <laughs> why, though? We don't need them. You know what really you know gets me thinking? Sometimes it's like... Who is the first person to look at this bird and just say peacock? And that's what we're going to call it, you know? Like, you see this, like, colorful bird for the first time, and the first word out of your mouth or sound you make is just peacock. And it's like, oh, okay, that's what we're going to fucking call it. (laughs) It's like a pecan or a pecan. It's a peacock or a peacock. I don't fucking know, man. Maybe he, like, fucking took a look at the fucking, this bird's dick, and he's like, well, peacock. I don't know. I don't name animals, fam. <laughs> All right. I like the peacock. All right. Um, recently in the news, um, the infamous animal itself, I'm going to pick it, strictly out of um, personal biases, is the stingray. The stingray killed steve Irwin. i don't think they do much they just kind of float around and shock me fuck you stingrays wow rest in peace steve Irwin. did you see actually who PETA or the wwf or something was trying to say that steve Irwin was like this bad guy and trying to make him look out to be like a just a douche and yeah. everyone came to steve Irwin's defense it was like no fuck you PETA. steve Irwin's the shit and he helps us learn about these animals and stuff. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? He, like, tackles alligators and their natural habitats and stuff. He's a bounty hunter or whatever. And Steve Irwin, you're the man. Rest in peace. Don't let these haters hate. Yeah, no, I mean, it was Peter. The internet just body bagged Peter after that, too. Because Steve Irwin was, like, a steeple of our lives as, like, young kids growing up. For real. Steve your Irwin. Number <laughs> My number five... You know, I'm going to be biased, too, because I'm highly allergic. You know, all honeybees and bumblebees, you can stay, but fucking wasps and yellow jackets and hornets, get the fuck out of here. If I could just put a giant dome over the world that pumped out toxins that only killed those bees and didn't harm anybody else or any other animal, you bet your ass I would. Fuck. You know what? I, I thought you were going to go with the bees first, and I was about to inform you as woke as I am that the bees are dying at an alarming rate, but I'm glad that you backed it off. No, wasps are useless. I fucking hate wasps, and they're mean motherfuckers, too. Yeah, they're yeah. so the- mean. I remember <laughs> I, was painting, I was painting Eddie Curry's house. Uh, with, I was painting Eddie Curry's house one year. He was a former Bulls player, for everyone who doesn't know, and he owned a four-story mansion out in Burr Ridge, 
and this house was huge. It was gorgeous on the outside. You get inside. He trashed the fucking place. Anyway, I'm working on this house, and what happens to me? A fucking hornet or a wasp, whatever it was, stung me in my eye. And my <laughs> boss is like, my boss is like, oh, you got you got to put some mud on it. I was like, the fuck you mean put some mud on it? And he's like, you got you got to take a clump of mud and put it on your eye, and it'll suck out the stinger. I was like, oh, shit. So I did it, and sure enough, it worked. But, yeah, I would kill all of those hornets and wasps and anything with those colors, you're done. I was kind of hoping that that story ended with, and I smacked mud in my eye, and nothing actually happened. And it was just like a ploy to get you to smack yourself in the face with mud. But I'm glad to hear that it worked for you. You really got, shot, you really got stabbed in the eye? Or yeah, it? yeah, I did. How <laughs> did that hurt? It hurt like hell, dude. I was like screaming, and Raul was like, Raul was like, oh, Quentin, what happened? I was like, dude, I just got stung in my fucking eye. He's like, oh, the, he's like, grab the mud. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Glad to hear. And fun fact for anyone out there, if you're in an emergency spot that you can smack yourself in the face with mud and they'll pull the wasp stinger out. Um, all right. Number five, man, I hate to, I hate that we've stuck in this insect bird area, but those are the only two that really just seem to piss me the fuck off. I guess like termites, but whatever. Um, all right. Last one, especially if you're from the Midwest, you know, all about this is the Canadian geese, the fucking worst. They first off, they walk around like they fucking own the place. Like (laughs) I'm trying to walk down the sidewalk. Right. And I'm like, you know, I'm walking down. And and then there's just family of them. And I'm just like, you know, and I, I wait for like a minute. I'm like, all right, you know, go ahead, mom goose, you know, take your babies, whatever. I'm not trying to fuck with you. And the, they just sit there. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, all right, well, or like I'm on the golf course. And I'm like, you know, just trying to hit my ball. You know, I'm like happy Gilmore from with that scene with the alligator when I like see it. And, and then like all of a sudden I'm just waiting. And all of a sudden the mom just comes up and hisses at me and comes sprinting at me. I'm like, fuck these things I'm like that. You know, I'm like, you only even live here. Y'all are from Canada. You're supposed to be way nicer than this. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely live without those goddamn geese. And then they're polluting the fucking sidewalks and the grass. So if I take my dog for a walk, she got to swerve her way through an obstacle course of shit. Like, oh, so it's bad. Like, it's also like like someone aerated. Like they like pull kind of dirt out of the ground, and like you can never tell if that's actually geese shit or just like chunks of dirt. It's so bad. It's a pain. But that was our starting five. I don't know if you have any honorable mentions. I do. I do. Big one. But I didn't want to list it because it was too uh, keeping up with insects. Fucking fruit flies. Oh, yes. I don't think anyone out there can dispute that either. I mean, I don't think they do anything. No, like, they don't. They're just annoying. Like, you know, I, I'm not a huge spider guy. Like, I'm not freaked out by them like most people are, but... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to put them on here, but at least they eat those things and they eat many of the things that we said are on this list. So by default, I have to then keep spiders in my I would I want them still here. And we would never have Spider-Man. Oh, fuck. That's a good point. Yeah, we would never have Spider-Man. <laughs> and yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's a good honorable mention. I don't have any honorable mentions because I don't want to start hating to. You know, what? if I did have a choose an honorable mention, though. I'd probably choose a fucking walrus. I don't. They're just 
giant. They're gross looking. They look like Antonio Brown with his bleached mustache. They got huge fucking tusks for no reason. They got like flippers because they're trying to be seals. And then they have the fucking tail like thing trying to be a mermaid, but they're overweight as shit. And they just lay out on rocks and fuck. So, yeah. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, and they're goofy as hell. <laughs> they're so goofy. They're All right. Goofy. Animals ever. I, I've I personify myself as walrus sometimes, so I, I can't I can't live with that. I don't think we can host this show anymore if you're gonna pick walruses on your honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> that was our starting five of animals that we could do without. You know, we have I don't think we have any seventh wonders of the world, but I think uh I think we do have a ride coming up, don't we? I, I have a seventh wonder of the world. Oh shit, you're cashing one in? Damn, dude. And this is this is very abstract, but I got to give a shout out. So just came across my feed uh, within the last couple of days. Daniel Gibson, University of Arkansas softball. OK, hit a home run cycle a week or so ago. She hit a solo homer, a two run homer, a three run homer and a grand slam all in the same game. Stop. Like, t- no, no. Like, say what you want about like. You know, oh, shit on softball because it's not baseball or, you know, oh, hitting cycle, hitting, hitting a home run cycle is the luckiest slash most skilled thing you can do. Like it's like Royal Flush. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yes, exactly. Exactly. Like hitting for the cycles, like getting like a straight flush, like hitting the home run cycle is a home run flush. That is easily on my wonder of the world. That's a good one. So we now have. The softball player, home run cycle, and we have the double doink. Now we have six wonders left for each of us. And with that being said, we got something we got to tell the uh, the viewers about. We do. We do. I had to jump to it because my seventh wonder of the world could not wait. Got to give a shout out to uh, Daniel Gibson and uh, University of Arkansas softball. So I don't know about y'all, but I'm a big fan of drunk karaoke. Country Roads Take Me Home is my go-to. Shout out John Denver, uh, followed by Sweet Caroline. But, you know, one of the annoying things is, like, when, when you want to do karaoke, you either got to get one of these old machines that seems like it's from the 1970s that doesn't even work. It's broken. The screen doesn't work. Or you got to go to the karaoke bar. And while that's fun every once in a while, you don't ever want to do it. With Karaoke Taxi at Karaoke Adventure, you get kind of the best of both worlds. You know, you get a little bit of booze going, you get a little bit of drinks in you, you're, you're feeling yourself, you want to have some fun on the way to the bar, wherever you're going, the club, you know, when you want to get down, you know, hit up Karaoke Adventure. Karaoke Adventure provides a DJ and karaoke in the convenience of a taxi cab that can take you from location to location. They do birthday parties, family gatherings, block parties, night of friends. You can outsource it for all you want. Okay, you get great DJing, great song choices. It brings everything to you. You get the PA, the mics, the TV, the lighting, the whole fucking shebang. And it's all for a singing good time. Over 30 years of experience. Eric Michaels, great dude. Karaoke Adventure. Check him out. Facebook, Karaoke Adventure. 773-732-6597 for any reservations. Again, follow them on Facebook at Karaoke Adventure today if you're interested. All right, Quentin. Let's get into the fast money drill because I am on the hot seat and I haven't gotten to do this yet. And I'm extremely excited about it. Yes, you are on the hot seat. We have the fast money drill where we put two minutes on the clock and spit random questions that 
sometimes the viewers could email and ask if they want to be answered or just stuff to help you guys really get to know who we are. Uh, the drill is sponsored by Fast Money Lifestyle Clothing, as mentioned in the beginning of the episode. Go check them out, fastmoneylifestyleclothing.com for merchandise. So we're going to put two minutes. Since it's your first time, we'll, we'll give you an extra 15 seconds. We'll go two minutes and 15 seconds on the clock. Random questions, potpourri. You know the rules. Can't hesitate. You got to just first thing that pops in your head for every question that is asked. Are you ready? Yeah, I just hope uh, I can outdo Matt because Matt set a real high bar the last time we did this. So we'll see what I can do. Yeah, he did. He he set a very high bar. I mean, this time you might want to do the floss instead of the Gangnam style. But <laughs> are you here we go. Fast money drill. Two minutes and 15 seconds are on the clock. And three, two, one, go. Blondes or brunettes? Ooh, brunettes. Apples or oranges? Apples. Steak or salmon? Salmon. Ass or titties? Ass. <laughs> Whiskey or vodka? Whiskey all day, every day. Damn, really? Oh, yeah, 100%. If you were a baseball fan of a different team besides the White Sox, who would it be? That's a good question. Um, Red Sox. Who's your favorite player on the Red Sox? <laughs> um, uh, J.D. Martinez. If you had to choose between Chris Bryant's girlfriend and Mitchell Trubisky's girlfriend, who would you choose? Oh, fuck, that's a good one. Uh, Mitchie's because she's a brunette. All right, you're on The Bachelor, and it comes down to the final two, but they're both sixes. Who do you take home? The girl that has a name that starts with Kelly or the girl named Sapphire that used to be a stripper? Kelly or Sapphire? Uh, Sapphire sounds bad, so let's go with Sapphire. <laughs> you're going to bring Sapphire home to mom? Okay. Uh, if you never went to Wisconsin and you didn't end up in Virginia, what school would you go to? Um, for fun, oh, UT Austin, for sure. Would you rather be a buff, fat guy or a skinny, cut guy? A uh, buff, fat guy, because then I'd have dad strength. What's your favorite color? <laughs> Blue. <laughs> what turns you on when a girl wears the most? Ooh. Okay, uh, uh, the combo deal. Um. Uh, knee-high socks with uh, nerdy glasses. Shout out Mia Khalifa. Last one. For Brad Coop- for Bradley Cooper's girlfriend that's out there, what would your ideal date be like? <laughs> All right. Well, well, here. So first off, we get, we get a nice little dinner going, you know, a little, little ambiance. We'd uh, get, a, get seafood. We'd go walk along the beach shore. Then I'd take her bath, uh, take her back, give her a nice romantic bath, and then dick her down. And that's the two-minute drill. So I hope I hope that was a little fun. You got to you got to know Andrew a little bit about what what he likes, what could could have been. Um, bad think- bitch, a bad bitch named Sapphire who was an ex stripper who's a brunette who wears knee high socks and. Uh, the nerdy glasses, and then we can go on a seafood dinner date, and then I can dig her down. Uh, if you find, if you know anyone out there, you can call me or email us official section three one two at gmail dot com or Yahoo. I'm sorry. <laughs> can can we just jump into this real quick? 
Did did you watch or hear about that last episode of The Bachelor where the dude hops the fence? No, dude. I heard I heard that that was the thing that was coming up, but I didn't. I didn't actually see this. Why you got some details on that, dude? Like apparently, I I, I didn't get to watch it, but I I guess like he didn't want to like like the pressure of choosing like he's complaining the entire time he's like oh my god you know i got all these hot girls that want to you know wife me up and he got cold feet and just ran he left he, <laughs> he just he's hopped just, the fence. he's just a pussy dude everything about this guy's a pussy and he screams money maker for the bachelor people i know dude i know do you think you could do the bachelor no i'm not good looking enough <laughs> see that's <laughs> That's why we're in podcasts because people enjoy listening, but we're not pretty enough for TV. No, oh, man. Um, no, but God damn it. Okay, so I got to I got to take a second back because I wanted to ask that stuff to the two minute drill. So, have you heard anything about this Michael Jackson documentary that came out? I, I heard that Michael Jackson's family and friends are like defending him, saying that none of it's true and everything because they don't want his legacy to be heard oh. or whatever. But I. The people who created the documentary are saying it's not about Michael Jackson. It's about these these kids that are growing up now. Apparently, Michael Jackson married this kid when the kid was like 10 years old. Yeah, dude. It's big fucked. The whole thing is big fucked. Yeah, like, I, have, I haven't watched it, but I think I may have to. <laughs> that's, what, that's why I was like, oh, God, very controversial right now. I was like, well, R. Kelly, I think, if in their prime at least, wasn't doing as much bad shit, although... We don't know anything about it, but yeah, dude, it's big fucked. Yeah, that's crazy. But um, that wraps up our segment. Uh, I believe we're coming to the end of our show. You guys can go follow us on our Facebook page at Section312Official, our Twitter at Osection312, and our Instagram at OfficialSection312. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, and soon-to-be iHeartRadio. Also, go check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Section312, where we post clips of our weekly interviews for you guys that you can actually see some of the talent that we have on the show and what they look like and who they are but that wraps up for this week's show like i said we haven't decided yet if we're gonna take a couple weeks off here and you know get stuff together and get some more better content for you guys or if we're gonna do a show next week we'll probably post something on one of our uh, social media platforms in the coming week but andrew you got anything left for him nah man but if anybody knows sapphire tell her so what's up and come find me <laughs> All right, we're ending the show. Love you guys. All right, see you guys later.